Hey guys, I was recently on the Seller Sessions podcast with Danny McMillan, and Danny was nice enough to allow me to repost this. So I'm talking about how to get seller financing, how to, how to get um, uh, cash for your business to grow it. And I thought it'd be a great repost here on my feed as well. So here's that session. And if you want to listen to more of this podcast, this is Seller Sessions podcast by Danny McMillan. Enjoy. Guys, welcome back to a Seller Sessions. Today's guest is Andrew Erickson, and today we're going to be talking about leveraging cash flows and the type of finances for your business. Uh, I know one of the biggest things at the moment where people looking to scale, and one of those difficult things is sitting on top of a nice pile of cash, uh, especially if you've got products that are high velocity or you're working with expensive products, uh, uh, expensive landing costs. Andrew. Is this the first or the second time you on the show? Have it's my first time on your show, Danny. So I appreciate the uh, appreciate do you the want invite. To give, and... No worries. Do you want to give the audience uh, uh, some background on yourself? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Andrew Erickson, like Danny said. Um, I host the uh, Amazon Conversations podcast. Uh, we won number two in your seller poll, Danny. I know Congratulations. you won. You won position zero because you took. You were polite enough to take yourself out of the running. So I, I appreciate you. Can't you. Run a, you, you can't run an award <laughs> and then hand trophies to yourself. That'd be a fucking joke. Sorry about that. <laughs> the whole point is to celebrate the community. Not like that's why branded by women seller sessions lie. None of that's involved. It's not about us. It's about the community. So. You get yeah. hung as well in this industry. Could you imagine start hanging out, handing out awards to yourself? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> and then I want to say, so, like, I, I uh, cool. before I talk about myself, I think I want to talk about you for a little bit. I think I just really appreciate all the community service you do for for our community. And I can tell you really do care about the audience. You care about this whole, like, seller community. Because um, I know a lot of people who know you outside of this professional setting, too. And they all say you're just a really stand-up guy. And every time I've ever interact interacted with you, you've always been just amazing. So I just want to give you, like, a nice little round oh, of applause you. for being so great. <laughs> At the end of the day, look, you, it's, you just do what you do, right? I love what I do, so I enjoy it. And if it benefits everyone else, it's fantastic as well. So, no, thank you very much. But um, let's talk about you. The show's sure. about you. Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I host the Amazon Conversations podcast. Um, I, I sell, I've been selling on Amazon for six, seven years. Um, I do, if you combine my brands together, I do multiple seven figures um, a year in, in revenue. I'm based in San Diego, California. Um, although I, I have lived a digital nomad lifestyle for the last few years. And so uh, my wife and I actually hit 32 countries uh, in a single year last year, but it was before quarantine. And so uh, we are uh, a little more anchored now to our home in San Diego because we have a little baby. And she is a uh, little baby Eliza's 11 months old. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm also a uh, coach leader in, inside of the Titan Network. Uh, I know you've had a few Titans on here before, like Kata Phipps mm -hmm. and a few other people, um, mm -hmm. Athena, Saveri. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been running a business for a couple of years and uh, for for better part of a decade. And uh, one of the things that uh, I talked to you, Danny, about what kind of stuff you want me to come on and talk about. Um, and one of the things I've talked to a lot of sellers about is financing, in particular, mm -hmm. like how to think about cash and how to secure financing. Um, yeah. Just because it's, it's a big, huge pain point that a lot of people have in this industry. Agreed. Uh, just a quick one, going to the comments here. Look, this is how raw we are with the show. Kata Thips. Thank you, hey, Kata. Deep down, he's actually an a-hole, Andrew. So you said all those <laughs> nice things at the, about the beginning, but Kat has come back and said, I'm effectively an asshole. So there you go. Right, let's get on with the show. 
Oh, is that is he is she referring to me or you? No, no, <laughs> she's a-hole. saying to she's saying no. Danny's actually an arsehole. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. This is our rule. We keep it. We read out all the negative funny. comments as well. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, let's get back into to cash flow. We, we you've got about six or seven points of cash flow options that we're going to talk about, right? Yeah, and and um and I, I love talking tactics. Um, mm-hmm. I love talking about the you know like here's the here's the three steps you can do to to hit the one thing perfectly, right? But um, I think tactics tactics are are great to learn stuff that we can do today. But I also like talking about strategies. What's mm-hmm. the mindset around the stuff, and how do we think about these things? And I think it's better to kind of know sort of like the philosophy and the strategies behind it, rather than just kind of like do these three things and you can you can rank better, or you can get more money, or whatever it is. So I'd love mm-hmm. to hit on a couple of those things too on strategies. Um, yeah, so uh, so I guess to kind of jump into strategy stuff with cash flow, um, there's a mantra that I have: um, don't let cash get in the way of a good deal. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is that when you understand this business and you understand this model and you have a team and you have a good brand and you ha- even if you don't have a brand or a team yet, if you understand the business model, this business model can be very profitable. And this is a quote, good deal that we have going on here. So if you don't have that $5,000, that $50,000 or the half a million dollars that you need to grow your business, you should not let that cash get in the way of growing your business. And that's one thing that makes me sad is when I see all these people who are super smart, well educated and have some have some sort of educated meaning in the in the the like street smart <laughs> educated and uh, um, eager and willing to go, but they're just stuck not having cash. So don't. So that's why I want to like let's not let mm. cash get in the way of a good deal. Um, a big thing that helps me a lot. Again, this is back to strategy. Is doing a twelve month plan. Um, I actually plan out fifteen months. And the reason why I do that is I do it quarterly. And uh, I figured if I if I plan out 15 months, then and I get to the end of the quarter, I still have a 12 month plan always ready to go. And I plan out inventory and cash, every single SKU, estimate every single order I'm going to do for 12 months, how much cash I'm going to need, and and just plan all that stuff out. It um now now do my plans actually come to fruition like 10 months from now? Am I actually gonna hit that Barely. place that same? barely you still got you yeah. still got a plan but you've got to realize it's going to go sideways or it goes a good way or to the left or the right i've never seen a business plan let alone cash flow i've never seen a business plan get executed and it was 100 right that's why you iterate for the process but you need to know what you're doing you need to have a, a compass and guide and then obviously you fix any of the luck variables shall we call them in between Exactly. Exactly. And but just but just having that like that vision of where I'm going to be going a year from now and three years from now, especially especially a very concrete plan of like, here's where we're likely to go in 12 months. That's just really important just for the really practical things like, okay, I know I am going to have a cash constraint seven months from now when I start planning Christmas out. And so I need I have seven months to figure out how to secure $80,000 in cash or $250,000 in cash and make sure I can get to that, that Christmas order. Um, so that's just a strategy. Okay. Now let's go ahead and jump into, I have, I have seven things marked out here and some of them are really easy and some are a little bit more, um, involved. And so I'll, I'll just go quickly through the, the kind of boring ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the first one, I just, just, just use your own money. If you have cash, just use your own cash. You know, that one's, I, I just start the conversation out with that one just to kind of say like, you know, I mean, that, that's the obvious one. I mean, most yeah. <laughs> of the listeners here are more advanced. They're using their own cash or, but um, yeah, for, for new guys starting out is 
obviously using your own cash or teaming up with people so it it dilutes uh, the risk factor. But I want to go back into the point as well. A lot of the time sure. when people get paralysis, especially new mm. sellers, it's not necessarily uh, if they can't find a product. It's just that the fact that the money that they have set aside is they're not willing to set fire to that. Like it means too much to them. Therefore, on a psychological level, it's very difficult for them to select a product because they want to be perfect. They want to hit it first out the gate or there's no room to mistake because the budget they have, they've only got one rodeo to do. So that becomes part of the, the, the problem as well with paralysis as well is what is your um, what what is your attachment to this money? Can you set fire to this money? This is what I say to people. Unless you can set fire to this money, then that's not an investment. That becomes a liability because you actually need that money. You've got to be willing to set fire to it. That's what will free you to move forward in terms of putting up boundaries. Exactly. I love that, Dan. You have to be able to take risk. And if you don't have a risk appetite, then maybe you shouldn't be running a small business because <laughs> it is there are some risks involved with this. And you know, one thing with, with in terms of losing money, one thing is uh, I j just to let me sleep a little better at night. I never consider myself to have lost money. I consider myself to have paid tuition, right? You win so, or you learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going. Yeah, you're going. Win or you learn. I love that. Win or learn. I'm cool. going to steal so that. So that, that kind of covers your own savings. Bootstrap. Obviously, that's yep. going to restrict uh, your your growth. It depends on how fast you want to go. Now, let's think of it this way, right? Everyone wants to grow fast, right? And they're seeing people around them. So this whole Instagram, Facebook lifestyle. They see that top three to seven percent of what everyone else is doing, and that's what they want to ascertain. They want to get there super, super fast. I've always been a belief is that you play the long game. And it doesn't mean that's suitable for everyone, but I think that's where people get tripped up as well. You don't necessarily scale like a rocket ship. If you're going to scale like a rocket ship, you need to know your numbers. You need to know what you're doing. And if you're going to go out and get external money, then it's better that you know how to do this over and over again before you go and get those funds to do so. But what I'm trying to say is there is no reason why you've got to keep up with the Joneses. Don't worry about what people are doing on Clubhouse and what you're seeing on Facebook and the willy waving and stuff like that. Do you make sure you get it right and every day is a bit of progress so go at the speed that is relevant to you yep i love that danny mm -hmm. and so uh, uh cash flow and bootstrapping i think a lot of people kind of know what those are so that we'll, we'll go past those ones quickly okay mm -hmm. uh, the third one on my list here um this is honestly i think the most important and the best option you have for financing and that is seller or sorry supplier terms and so what uh, the idea is just just pay your supplier later. That's it. That's that's the whole that's the, whole the, the trouble with that. You've got to get there. You've got to gone through the stage of yes. your own cash, external cash, savings, bootstrap, or whatever you've done it. The only way you're going to get term, not the only way, but nine times out of 10, the only way to get terms is to sit down face to face, open book with the factory. Very rarely you're going to get that across the phone. Yeah, you're not going to be able to phone someone and say, give me 60 grand, even 60 grand's worth of stock, which is a drop in the ocean if you're trying to do Q4. So in order to get terms, we know that you've got to have catered for the early parts already. Yeah, and I tell people you can always ask on the first, I suggest don't ask on the first time you talk to a supplier. What you want to mm -hmm. do is have at least three orders or have a year-long relationship, uh, a yeah. year of purchasing, or have met them in person. Met them in person mm -hmm. and place an order, not just meet mm -hmm. them at the Canton Fair and just say, hey, can you, give me a, can you float me $100,000 on my next order? And uh, honestly, the big reason why this is so beneficial is because uh, there, there's a couple of things. You uh, get credit right when you need it. A lot of banks want you to just take out $150,000 
a loan today and pay back 1% every month for the next, you know, next 10 years or whatever. Um, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's what the bank likes, but that doesn't work well for our business because we need, you know, when you're playing that Q4 order and you have a hundred thousand dollar, quarter million dollar order for Q4 like that, uh, you just need the money maybe in October through January, right? And you get your big Christmas bonus and then you, uh, you can pay off that loan. Well, taking that big loan out for, and having a three-year payment term doesn't work very well for for our businesses. And so you get the cash right when you need it because you really need the cash to pay your supplier. So you just ask your supplier for a little bit of credit. Hmm. And so the way we do it, here, if you're, if you're taking notes at home, here's the way we do it. Uh, first of all, you need to have that relationship. You need to place at least three orders, uh, a, a one-year-long relationship. I think those are kind of like sort of bare minimums. It's medium in person too. Um, and uh, um, again, going back to the thing I said earlier, the 12-month plan, we hmm. tell the supplier, Hey, we are doing great. You know how much we're selling because you know how much we're ordering, and we're we have this brand. We have all these great things we're doing. Um, we have enough cash that we can pay, we can pay for everything coming up. But if you want us to grow, if you want to grow with us as a partnership, we need some seller financing. And we we here's what happens if we have to pay the tw- the thirty percent down and seventy percent on on. Um, uh, a day that the order is done. Here's what our growth trajectory looks like. Here's our 12 month plan with those terms. Here is what it looks like if we have 60 day payment terms, 20%, 30% down, 70%, 80%, 60 days after production finishes. Here's what our growth trajectory looks like. And so you, again, you need to do a 12 month plan for yourself anyways, but you share that plan with the supplier and you get them really excited and get them bought into your plan as a partnership. Mm-hmm. Do you know the the benefit of that as well? Phenomenal QC. Who in yes. their right man, mind who's going to run a factory, give credit to someone overseas, and then ship them a load of junk because they haven't taken care of inspections in the factory? So effectively, exactly. although you're going to do ex- bring in external QC because that's just standard, they are going to make sure that these products are top-notch because they know once they're left the port, this has always been the advantage when you're uh, when you're working with Chinese companies that and that you've paid up front or you've paid in two installments, but after uh, after receiving the land the goods they're paid they're like sorry we'll take it off your next order, that gives you leverage as well. So terms yep. is the, I would say is the greatest way of scaling your business with a factory that reduces those things in terms of a lien on your property your home etc. is definitely that's the pinnacle, isn't it? Yes, exactly, exactly. And so, like you said, you you really get them to be integrated into your business. Um, The other thing, too, is that uh, when you go to sell these private label businesses, which I know is a pretty hot thing to do right now, we are actually um, right kind of sort of beginning of an exit right now. Uh, All these buyers are talking to us. They're asking what kind of terms do you have with your supplier? And it is a huge benefit to the buyer of your company to have these kind of terms for the same reason why it's a benefit to us, it's a benefit to the buyer. They don't have to float that hundred thousand, whatever, 50,000 quarter million dollar order um, for as long uh, with because of the same thing. So yeah. generally these, and of course, you know, nothing's perfect, but generally these supplier terms will transfer to a buyer and that can be a huge benefit for when you go to sell your private label business. Yeah, indeed. Uh, what else are we going to get into cards and we've covered, yeah, in the US, the, what is the loan structure like that for <laughs> banks over the US? I mean, I have no idea because I don't do bank loans, but sure. I've so, always found institutions like that, they want to lend you money when you've got money. As soon as you've <laughs> got, 
you know, whether it's savings or a business savings account or anything, the money is all available. When you haven't got a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out of, they want you home. And, yep, yep, you're right, Danny. And that's why a lot of people suggest that you uh, raise money when you don't need it because mm. people love giving you money if you don't need money. If you're exactly. in trouble and you really need that extra little bit to get by, uh, then all of a sudden, oh, I don't remember. I don't. I don't want to take your meeting. I don't want to uh, sign a loan document with you. And so, um, uh, that that's one thing we we can dive into is your traditional lending. That's generally mm -hmm. what you what they want to see is kind of when you don't need the money. Um, so I I uh, if you can't tell I'm an American uh, by my accent. Uh, one thing that we have here in the states that I know um, isn't exactly the same other places, but I'll talk about other places here in a second. Uh, in the U.S., we have the SBA, and it's the Small Business Administration. It's it's government it's government backed loans, and it's just a special financing thing, whatever. So if you are U.S. based, um, I believe they do it for U.S. based companies. You don't actually have to be a U.S. citizen. Um, you can get an SBA loan. Those things are fantastic. Um, we actually have an SBA loan that's a line of credit. So we have $150,000 line of credit. It's really cheap. It's like 7%. We only pay interest when we use it. We only ever use, actually I haven't used it for like almost two years now, but we only ever use it usually to kind of get through a few Q4 things. Hmm. Um, and then, and then those kind of, those kind of traditional bank loans, those are all over the place. So wherever you're based, just go talk to a traditional lender and they can be really good to finance your growth. Mm-hmm. What else we've got is have a look through your notes here. So special FBA niche lenders. I mean, we just see Tim Jordan flash up. He does a lot of work with sellers funding. Uh, what have you got down here? We've got. Yeah, I have some. So so I've never used any of these, so I can't personally attest to them. I just have talked to mm. a lot of people who have talked to these people and have used them and have had good experiences. So so there's traditional banks, you know, Bank of America or the um, uh, just these Wells Fargo, these these chase these very large banks everyone kind of knows about um there's also these special niche lenders um one of them uh is a pl plastic but plastic is with a q at the end yeah, uh they do it. inventory financing flexport is my freight forwarder they've offered me financing um accrueme.com mm -hmm. they have some pretty cool kind of like profit share financing um so there's just a lot of these things out there uh, maybe we could give them a list of like we could maybe put more in the notes later or something. I'll put but, them in the uh, show notes later. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, um, we've got the niche lenders. I mean, if Tim wants to comment, I don't know if he's still watching, but um, yeah, they're because they're, this is a lot of them as well. They're structured in different ways, but uh, a lot of the, the benefits are those people that are, are not pre, what is it? 15, 16, where a lot of people were getting daily payouts and it's, it's obviously every two weeks, but it's bridging that time between, having funding there in terms of supporting your business when you're going through a heavy run of uh, inventory. You know, you might have got some stock stuck, et cetera. So it, you end up getting into a jam. But it's a great it's great as like a bridging gap. But it, it becomes difficult when you're nil by mouth on a monthly basis. If you're using the bridging companies, which are brilliant, it can get expensive over time if you're not careful. Yeah, and and – Exactly. That's a great point, Danny. A lot of these companies that their niche, you, you know how they say riches are in the niches. Well, in this case, it's the same thing, but the, the riches are high interest rates, effective high interest rates to us mm. sellers. So just be really mindful, whatever they're charging you, just kind of compare that to a traditional bank loan, because some of these interest rates are like 
insane. So, uh, but they can be really <coughs> useful. So if you, if you, yeah, you might be paying 20%, uh, uh, the equivalent 20% interest, but hmm. only for two months, that's not that much money, right? Well, just I, 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 won't, I won't say the name of the company. There was a company wanted to sponsor one of my events and, uh, I said, look at these rates. I gave them to Ellis. Obviously, Ellis is a, <laughs> is a data scientist, right, and an algorithm expert. And I went, am I going mad? Or is this, a, I think it was 168. It was just out of control, astronomical. Yeah. And he said, this is like daylight robbery. And I'm like, no, I'm not having them sponsoring one of our events. You know, someone turns up and gets bridging loans off them. I thought, no. And exactly. that's that's yeah so it's not no one i don't know if anyone really knows of them there this was a couple of years ago now but you do you do have to look at the fine print with this stuff but that's that's your risk you're in business you know exactly yeah so just just be just be mindful of it and you guys are all smart and everyone listening to this is smart so just just kind of like write down see how much the interest rate is and see if it makes sense for you yeah uh, the next one I have here are credit cards. Um, so they're, they're again, uh, playing with credit cards is like playing with snakes. Uh, they can be dangerous, um, mm -hmm. but they can also be really, really useful. Uh, so I'll tell you my strategy with using credit cards, and I can tell you other strategies of, of like kind of proper financing. Uh, what I do with a credit card is just I put all my uh, PPC costs on a credit card. It's free to do that, or free. It's free in the terms of like Amazon doesn't charge extra to to put those expenses onto a credit card. Hmm. Um, we now control the, our PPC costs. We also have like kind of another little break point in case we like spend too much on PPC. It's just the cards there, right? Um, but the big thing is you get cash back benefits from these. And so this last year, we had about twelve thousand dollars, eleven to twelve thousand dollars in cash back benefits from our credit cards. And we actually added that back in to our um, to our to our business income, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some some people don't declare the the credit card income because it's kind of like it's not really income; it's like a reduced expense. Or I don't know, I'm not an accountant, but we added it back in as business profit because it's business, you know, it's income, right? Yeah. Or it's whatever. Um, and now that we're exiting our company, we're actually going to get uh, a 4x multiple on those credit card points. Yeah. So I just like this thing just blew my mind. I'm like, wait a minute, I got ten thousand dollars from my credit card, and now I'm getting like another another like three four x on this on this number. So so by playing this credit card game, we ended up making tens of thousands of dollars. Hmm. Now I can tell you again, this is a little bit U.S. based, but I also have um, information for U.K. and some other places as well. Um, if you are looking for the best credit card for U.S. based people uh, and U.S. based businesses, if you're U.S. based, if you have a U.S. based corporation. Um, the one that I found is the best is the Chase Inc. Business Preferred. Um, again, I paid off every single month. In fact, we I think we paid twice per month just to make sure we don't pay any interest on it. And that gives you about 3% cash back. So if you spend a quarter million dollars on advertising, 3% of that is whatever, seven, $8,000, right? So it's it's a good chunk of money. That's cash, cash money that gets sent into your, just gets dropped into your checking account. Um, Amex Gold business card is really good, and the Capital One Spark Spark Cash card is really good. Um, so just 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 double check uh, again. Be mindful of credit cards, but they can be really useful if you use them correctly. If you're disciplined, like if you're super disciplined with yes. this stuff, it it works for you. It's like playing. It's like fire, right? You can either burn yeah. your hands in it, or you can cook your food. It's your choice. It exactly. depends on where your discipline sits. So, and obviously, you've got air miles that no fucker can use it at the moment. So there are <laughs> other benefits that spin off us off business credit cards if you can actually tap in and utilize them. 
We can uh, use them in June, though, to come to Solaris Sessions Live, though, right? Did you notice how you slipped that little plug in there? All right, <laughs> less of the plug-in, back to the content. Um, what else is there? So we covered that card there. You said, is it the Chase Inc. business? Yeah, Chase uh, Inc. is the best for, for – um, that's the best I found. I mean, maybe there's right. others that are great out there. Um, and there's then also Amex Gold or Amex Gold, Cat One Spark card. What's the difference between these two? Ah, they're they're minor little little terms of services and stuff. Um, the I think that the Chase card is like ninety nine dollars a year uh, annual mm-hmm. fee, but you get three yeah. percent cash back. I think Amex is like two hundred fifty dollars. It's just little little things like that, yeah. a couple hundred bucks here and there. They're all pretty similar though, honestly. Um, and then there's a money savings expert dot um, has a really good article for us or for UK based people. Um, and maybe we could drop that link in, drop the in the comments. comments. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I just was someone, uh, someone UK based shared that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then with credit card, again, be careful with credit cards, but there are credit cards you can get that are no interest for like a year. And if you're looking to, uh, you, uh, the many suppliers will take credit cards so you can get your one, two percent kind of like miles back or your cash back on your cards and not pay interest for a year it can help a lot of people get through that last like $30,000, $50,000 in credit needs. So it, it is definitely an option there. If you, if you need that last little bit just to get by, just to get that Q4 order in, it can be really useful. Yeah. Uh, investors, I think, is next, isn't it? Yep. Okay. Friends and family. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Seriously, no. Unless it's a friends and family thing, they know what they're doing. They've been in business before, right? They completely understand the rules of engagement, and they actually say themselves, look, this is my risk. If it all Mm. goes tits up, no hard feelings, because if you've got face them at family functions and stuff, the friends and family things where it goes wrong is when someone takes a part of their savings, is just clocked in on a nine-to-five, has never run a business before, they're going to be the worst investors in, in your business. This is the part of the, that you get where people raise funds. It's called a party round where everyone chucks money in. And then when it comes down to sit down and, and talk with the investors end of the year, you're dealing with all of these different personalities and backgrounds, and it's really tough to manage that. So I definitely advise against having friends and family who do not run a business, have run a business yes. and can afford to burn that cash because that would just be, it's a nightmare because you ain't going to want to fa- face them at family functions when things are not going well. When it's going right, it's fantastic. But we know what Amazon is like. So I, I say that's the highest risk strategy on a relationship basis is close friends and family. Exactly. And what you said with the relationship, uh, that's that's a great point, Danny, there. And, and uh, the um, the thing with with. With, when you're taking a loan out, usually you're using collateral, something mm-hmm. that someone can take if you don't pay the loan back. So if you take out a mortgage, yeah. your collateral is your home. If you take out a business loan, often your collateral is your inventory or your or your trademark or something like that. Yeah. Um, and when you take out loans or, or investments with friends and family, you're collateralizing relationships. Yes. So you have to know that if you don't pay back that loan, what the collateral is, is destroying the relationship. So you do have mm-hmm. to be very, very mindful of it. Um, but there, there can be some options where you kind of have that, that uncle who's super into like investing or the cousin or the college, um, roommate or something like that. And again, exa- everything you said, Dan, I completely agree with you. would be really mindful of it. 
Um, and that's one thing um, I do. I do have to say at the very beginning, I did take uh, smaller loans, small five figure loans from from family for some stuff. And the big thing, if you do this, is to write every single thing down. Yeah. Clear contracts, clear terms, clear who does what, when, where, and how. Hmm. Yep. Without a doubt. Then um, on the up upside is angel investors and third-party business owners who are happy to invest in the business. That's a different story. They understand the background. They understand the context. Yes. If they're not close friends as well, it, it becomes a business relationship between consenting adults, knowing that if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It was their risk as well. Exactly. Yep. Very good point. Um, so I, I think that's a really good point, Daniel, that you uh, just to, just to re-harp on it, mm -hmm. find people, friends and family who are businessy, <laughs> who, who, who understand risk and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause other, cool. So there's some interesting ways to do these partnerships too, to, to, to structure these things. Of course, there's a traditional loan. Just give me $50,000 and I'll pay you back 8% interest, right? Just the boring kind of like what standard loan, right? There's also these really creative ways where you can tie the performance of a certain ASIN to someone's investment. Mm -hmm. What you can do is share the profits uh, of a product in a single year to the performance of this ASIN. And you would do proper little PL, kind of an ASIN based PL. There's lots of software that can help you do that kind of stuff. Um, and you should be doing that stuff anyways for to monitor your, your profitability per SKU. Sell a legend. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, and uh, um, if you do that, you uh, you can tie that performance to that one person, that, so the performance of that ASIN to that one person's investment. And there's some really creative things you can do there just to just to kind of like mitigate risk. And then that person has a lot more clear understanding of like what they're doing and what, what they're getting involved in. Well, we've got a mutual friend that is in the... I want. I try not give give him away, but he <laughs> he leveraged his business based on ASINs, and he took performances. So he had various different investors based on the ASINs, and he showed them this is your return on investment, or it's, so this is the category they're in. This is how it performed before. I'd like to take your money on this product here with your blessing. This is what we'd like to do. Here's our track record, and people are like, yep, I can do that because the return on investment was much better than what they could foresee in stocks and stuff, because commerce is, right? It's a better form as long as there's uh, some data there to, to back it up. Nothing's perfect. But that's how he scaled his business before he went on to using the supply chain to build. Yep. Yep. And I like that, the, the showing your track record. That's one way to get really good investors is to have mm -hmm. a good investor track record. And so yeah. uh, uh, kind of showing like, hi, I'm a person who takes money from investors. Here's what I've done in the past. And here's how I return money to the investors. Everyone knows mm -hmm. that there's risk, but here's what I've done in the past. Now, how do you get started with that? If you don't have history, you you know, you kind of have to figure and, it and out. It's, ba but... it's based on sales. <laughs> it's not equity in the business. It's purely yeah. down to you're investing in this ASIN. Here is the time period that we'll sell this ASIN in. I'll take this money from you now. This is what you should expect. So when you do come to sell, you again, you haven't got a party of investors taking chunks of the business when you go to exit. So you still yeah. own it. It's effectively, it's a loan. Yep, exactly. And also, uh, you know, if you're thinking even bigger than this, you don't have to tie performance to SKUs. You could tie performance to brands. If you're mm. a kind of person who has multiple brands, you can just tie, you know, hey, you want to kick in on this brand. Um, it also works really well for people who have certain expertises. So uh, social media influencers, we have a brand that has a tie in with a social media. Um, it's not not it's not a cash tie in. It's it's mm. a influence, but you can kind of come bring them in as a partner. Um, that's kind of that's getting outside the financing stuff. 
stuff, but you can bring these people in as partners on brands. Yeah. Uh, and let's, the, what you mentioned there, selling equity. Um, so, so time performance of ASINs is one way of not selling equity, but of course you could sell equity, right? Yeah. Um, and so generally the, the brands right now are trading for roughly 4X um, uh, seller discretionary earnings. So 4X prop, uh, EBITDA is another term for that stuff. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if that's the market value for it, um, you can go out and sell to pr uh, private equity firms, uh, sell to, again, also the friends and family or kind of like the, the the investor network if you have that and just sell 20% of your company. That's mm -hmm. basically what IPO is or that's what the uh, uh, seed funding is. I'm just going to mm -hmm. sell you 20% of my company. You give me a million bucks. Yeah. Yep. I think that covers pretty much covers most of it. One thing I've got approached on, which is not anything in writing, but someone mooted the idea for me for a new Amazon business in terms of what we'll do is we'll give you the money and in two years we'll give you a fixed outcome. Now, I don't know what the multiples was, but they were saying, look, it's almost like the Ycom incubator thing. Raise some cash, you build a team. You deliver on the end product, whether that's a SaaS product. But I think you're going to see more of this in this space where people will be approached. So maybe it's their second rodeo. They've done an exit and say, hey, look, you want to go again? We'll give you the money to start the business. You build it. And in two years, we'll give you a fixed outcome. We'll take it off your ends and scale it. Yeah, so I awesome. think that will be that will be uh, available a lot, lot more. Because I think with the aggregators as well, they're out there buying the first wave, let's say these Amazon businesses, from very small data, around 60, 70, maybe 80% of people that sell their Amazon business go again. So there's another round of those people which are more experienced. So why not bet on those again and say, hey, we bought your last company. We've got some money to sit in here. We'll give you a fixed outcome. So, Yeah. Yep. Perfect. I love that. Cool. Anything else we need to cover before we go? No, that's kind of it. I, I just want uh, to say again, I want to reiterate what I said at the top of the hour. Um, my mantra with this stuff is don't let cash get in the way of a good deal. So Indeed. make sure you're, you, you know, if you have these opportunities, make sure to seize them and don't let cash get in the way of seizing these opportunities. Cool. Um, what is the best way people can reach you? Don't forget to subscribe to your podcast, Zoncom Podcast. Go through Apple's iTunes and uh, – sorry, iTunes. Go through Apple and other podcatchers. They'll find you on as well, yeah, other platforms. Yep, yep. We publish weekly uh, the Amazon Conversations podcast, or ZonCon for short. Um, yeah. I'm also a uh, um, leader inside the Titan Network, so you could just – anyone's welcome to send me an email if they want, Andrew at – titanmembers.com uh, and then i'm also on facebook and instagram my instagram handle is uh the andrew erickson and uh if you, if you want to see more pictures of my little baby that's mostly what i post on instagram so it's kind of fun <laughs> cool congratulations to fatherhood as well uh year oh, one is nearly it. upon us uh guys sharon evan will be back in the chair tomorrow i'll be back next week don't forget to check in on isabella on monday take care of yourself and your family much love and i'll see you again soon